Okay, right. Uh, spoiler, series two, episode one. That's nice, isn't it? Um, right, okay, right. Quiet, everybody. And stomach quiet. And <laughs> go. The show you're about to hear discusses films, books, and TV shows in their entirety. Twists, endings, and all. Without fear of spoilers. So if you don't want to know who dies, who done it, or how it all ends, we strongly advise you switch off now. Hello, I'm Paul Tyler and welcome to Spoiler, the show which reviews movies, books and TV shows in their entirety. This week we're looking at Shane Meadows' TV series, This Is England 90. And just another final warning, we will be talking about the whole of the series, including plot twists. We will ruin it for you. So if you haven't already seen This Is England 90, go away and watch the box set, then come back to us afterwards. Have they gone? Right, on with the show. What's going on tonight? I've heard there's a disco tech. Mm. Is there a disco tech? Yeah, there's a, um, a Manchester night. So um, the Manchester band's coming? <laughs> no, <laughs> not quite. Brown, what grace's presence here. Who's it? No, I'm not down with the kids. I know who he is. Did it. Kelly. Come on then. Did it, ding, 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 a flink, a flam. Back in 2006, Shane Meadows introduced us to some affable and some less affable characters around the complex subject of skinhead culture in the early 80s. Based in the Midlands, This Is England was a critical and commercial success that has now also spawned three miniseries for Channel 4. I'm Woody, mate. Nice to meet you. That there's Milky, my main man. Puky and this fat idiot's gadget. <laughs> this Is England 86 and 88 successfully developed those much-loved characters as they navigate the bleak economic environment and although humour and some killer tunes are ever-present, they include some extremely tough scenes to watch. Look at me. Look at me, lol. He's been doing it all your life, hasn't he? You didn't want it to happen to Kelly, did you? No, not it. No, little Kel. No, no. You didn't want her to go through what you went through, did you, kid? And so to the final part. This is England 90. Delayed because Meadows was asked to make the Stone Roses, made of stone documentary, it starts with a now familiar montage of the era which charmingly shows Margaret Thatcher leaving office to the sound of There She Goes by the Lars. We're leaving Downing Street for the last time. Split into four episodes, titled by the seasons with a feature-length final episode, social media went cataclysmic during the autumn episode in which the main characters sit around a makeshift table in a room just too small to fit everyone in comfortably. Well, yeah. Yeah, I've got a tenner on there. <laughs> Good, bad. Bad, bad. Critics perhaps became less important as the fans were wowed by the awkward brilliance of a group of actors that had grown up together. Kelly. Yeah, I can't believe Kelly. Kelly. Sure. Kelly. 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 Mom, do not even stick up for him because you don't even deserve to be here. How can you have kids Kelly. with somebody? Kelly. No. Kelly. I need you to listen to me, Kelly. All right, let her go. Let her go. Let her go. No, no, there's no easy way of doing it. And then the ending. Endings are always tricky, as even when well done, an audience will no doubt mourn the loss of characters they've become so close to. So did they do it well? Is it even really an ending? Although Shane Meadows is on the record as saying that This Is England 90 is the full stop, he also added that the full stop was written in pencil. Don't worry, guys. The good times will come again. Will they, though? Later in the show, we'll be taking a closer look at the work of Shane Meadows' longtime musical collaborator, Gavin Clark. But right now, I'm joined in the studio by a man who may or may not be made of stone, Andy Goulding, Hello. and a woman who may or may not be a resurrection, Rachel Burnett. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Series Two, we Yay. made it. Yay. We made it. We recommissioned ourselves. <laughs> uh, it was a close call, but uh, you know, we went. We went to the hierarchy, and here we are. We're recommissioned back for series two, and uh, so to business. We've got a lot to get through. This the whole the whole of this is England ninety. Uh, we're not playing games here, I suppose. Uh, now, Andy, this whole the whole the whole of it, uh, this England ninety thing. It's a lot of fuss about nothing, right? <laughs> oh no, absolutely not. I mean, by this stage, if you're not on board with with this is England series already, it's it's not 
not too late to uh, to jump on board and you don't even have to go back and see the film and the uh, the other series although i think it it does enhance it if if you do but uh i have been on board with it since since day one and uh it's just brilliant to see all those characters back i mean there, there's obvious real dedication from uh, from the actors involved and uh, a real sort of love of of these characters and and each other i mean the original film came out in in 2006 so they they've spent a decade together as these characters obviously intermittently they're not uh, that dedicated to the roles but uh, <laughs> but you can you can instantly see how easily they they slide back into these characters and how much they enjoy being with each other and obviously a lot of a lot of the uh, the performances there's a lot of improvisation involved so it's important that they feel comfortable with themselves these characters and with each other and and they do uh, you can see that immediately so it's just for for long-term fans of the series it's just a, an absolute joy to be back okay so rachel have you seen you have you are you up to date were you up to date with it before we uh, we asked you to watch this i wasn't actually this is quite interesting that andy's right from the beginning and you've said all that stuff about the actors and i came in for this is england 90 I haven't seen them before didn't know about them to be honest i've sort of avoided it because it looked quite harsh and i'm not good at harsh stuff but um no i think that comes across to somebody new to it I think that comes across like, wow, the relationship between the actors and between the characters and they were fully fleshed out. It wasn't like I thought, oh, that's lacking a bit or why is he behaving like that? It was all there, even though I'd never seen it before. Okay. So, so did you find it easy at the beginning to be up to date? Because I'm, I'm half and half, actually. I'd seen the right. film, but I've not seen 86 or 88 yet. And mm. I know even now I'm thinking, I'm, I don't know, I'd probably not bother going back and watch them <laughs> because I think I'm up to date, you know, I'm up to speed with it. I've done uh, mm. as much as I need to. But I, I probably am missing out on some some really good acting if, if or, or some scenes that, you know, I mean, obviously we'll, we'll get to that table scene later when autumn comes around. But uh, but you, how did you find just, just sort of stepping into it? Yeah, I mean, I, I did expect to be quite confused, but I don't know how he's done it because obviously as Andy's just said a lot of it is improvised so he couldn't script in oh make sure you mention this in your past but they still managed to get across what had happened in the past without being really obvious oh when you did this blah 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 they just I sort of picked up the little clues and thought ah that's because of that and in a way it was possibly more interesting for me because I thought oh why is he being like that and then you'd find a little bit from some another character would say something and you think ah that's why he's behaving like that and the whole sort of I know we'll get to it but the whole combo thing having not seen his history or anything else I was like who is this combo chap why is he so important and it was that revelation was actually probably more interesting for me yeah, so just a quick word on the uh, on the montage at the beginning. I mean, I don't know. It put. I, I thought, wow, what a, how well done it was. You know, it really sort of brought a lot back. Uh, I mean, I was still at school in '90, um, and it's, it's still. It, oh wow, you know, all oh, that happened. Of course, that happened. Yeah, I just think you should do a montage for every year yeah. that happened. Put it on YouTube. <laughs> There's, there's a thing about snobbery of recommendations that I've made a note of here as well. Every It seems like everyone, social media, I suppose, is saying, you've got to watch this, you must watch this. And that sort of made me react against it. Perhaps not, I was I probably wasn't so worried about it being as harsh, Rachel, but I still, because so many people are like, you must watch this. When people tell me I must watch something, I was like, oh, <laughs> no, I, I, no, I don't. <laughs> and I sort of rally against it. And that's always to my own detriment, which is probably what happened with 86 and 88, which is why I wasn't, everyone's just going, oh, no, you'd love it. You'd love it, of course you'd love it. And of course I would, but I'm my own worst enemy at that kind of thing. I, <laughs> I know not, exactly you know. what you mean with that. That's why I didn't uh, get into the Arctic Monkeys until uh, several years down the line, <laughs> because I just reacted against that whole, yeah. this is the best album that's, that's we've had in years, and you must buy it. And Yeah, I mean, you would definitely love that. You've got to listen to that, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, that's it. but that's it. I'm always the first as well to say, oh yeah, you'd love this. <laughs> um, okay, so let's, let's set it up, and uh, they, they've quite conveniently let, it, uh, let each episode go with the, with the season as well so spring this whole episode really sort of seemed to be like a, a reintroduction as you know a sort of an introduction as to where people are and it, it comes into sean and I, I thought this was probably the episode i think sean was m- perhaps most featured and sort of he plays a, a, a daft teenager really brilliantly thomas turgus a uh, local lad although when we say local it's grimsby's for us so that's not it's kind of the enemy rather than <laughs> than, than, than local but you know he does uh, and just sort of how when, when you're leaving school and you think you've left one set of problems behind you and then all of a sudden, oh no, the big bad world's hitting you in the face and you've got to sort out college and things like that and the, and the fact that college is a bit more freer so you can come and go as you, as you please. And I think all that's really, uh, really sort of well set out. Um, what did you, what did you think, how did you think, did you want Sean to, where did you want Sean to go? I mean, I, I, I really like Sean, but the, the last we, we saw of him uh, in 
well, the last I saw of him in the, the <laughs> previous series, uh, was he, he was cheating on, on his girlfriend then, Smell, quite sort of offhandedly. So, uh, that, I mean, he wasn't left in a position where he seemed that sympathetic. And yet, Thomas Turgus is so kind of, uh, <laughs> strangely endearing. I mean, he's like a, he, he's like a cross between a sort of teenager and a little old man. He's got <laughs> this sort of really kind of rough hewn voice and, uh, I, I watched. I watched this is all oh, this is England with my dad, and uh, my dad said about Thomas Turgus in in this role that uh, he just wants to give him a hug all the time because he just seems constantly confused by life and uh, not quite sure, not quite sure what he's doing. But uh, yeah, I thought I, I thought where where they sent Sean in this was was quite nice. It was. Uh, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't the major role in it like he was in the original film but his his sort of story kind of provided a bit of, of relief for me is, is getting back into college finding a new girlfriend and it all sort of ran alongside all these major events and and provided a bit of relief so for instance you get this this nice little uh, moment in one of the later episodes when everything is really kicked off where he goes on this little journey with his mum and it, it doesn't really feed anything into the the plot at all but he just goes on a trip with his mum comes back and it was just nice it was just nice to have that moment in life to show that even when life is at its bleakest there's these little moments of uh, of relief and escape like that that's right and good balance as well I I mean, the uh, the setting for all this as well is, is always not too far from here. It's filmed not too far from here, sort of Nottingham uh, and, and the Midlands, and uh, yeah, just sort of the background, and but also people's living rooms as well. You forgot you forget <laughs> what they were like, don't you? Before all uh, all these uh, interior decorating programs came on the TV <laughs> and told us we should all get you know shape up a little bit. I mean, they were awful, weren't they? Yeah. But a real indication of who's in there as well, though. They weren't. I mean, nowadays you can walk into a living room and get no idea about the people that live in it. You just go, "This is a nice living room." I don't know anything about the people from that. But if you walk into a living room in This Is England, you go, I know exactly who lives here or the sort of person that lives here. So it was more sort of, an ex- you know, bits and pieces all around books and, well, bongs sometimes. <laughs> and, um, I think this maybe there's a, a reflection of, of the way living rooms were going in uh, <laughs> the characters of mum, uh, Woody's mum and dad. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a, a sort of balance, the, the sort of middle class, maybe sort of wannabe upper class yeah. <laughs> couple. And uh, and you, you saw their living room compared to Woody and Lowell's and you mm. see how, how far the apple's fallen from the tree. Absolutely. Well, well, let's look at that because I made—I certainly made a note to look at that scene because there's so much oddness and peculiarity in in in, in the scene where uh, Woody and Lowell go go back to his house and they they, they talk to his parents and. There's a man hiding in a cupboard. <laughs> in a cupboard. He was hiding in the cupboard all that time and he just sat, I sat there agog. I was, I, what? There's a little something, isn't there, that uh, we, we, we've got a bit of a... Well, it's a bit of a surprise. A surprise. We like to think, is it? A bit kind of surprise where your kids can't be in the room. So, um, that's a that's a moving cupboard with a grunting thing in it, isn't it? Is that that's got to be surprise? it, hasn't it? It's a bucky, isn't it? Well, uh, shall I? Uh, get the, get the, <laughs> is it a big? Two, three, four. It's moving. You can come out now. <laughs> <laughs> What is he doing in that cupboard? Why would you do that? Look at his face. I can't. Look, we're all saying we're boring. We're all saying boring now, are we? Surprise, surprise. Mr. Squire's in a cupboard. You've got that boring. But I mean, the character of Woody there, you sort of see him as this, you know, sort of chilled out family man. Obviously, you know, he's, he's, he's lived a life and you can see that scarred on him. Um, but he it, it sort of seems to be, you know, sort of in a good place and happy and all that kind of thing. And he goes back. But then you see him snap at that point where, you know, there are people around him who are wanting to do better for himself. Um, and, 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 you know, just it, it came from a good place. You can see these are good people, but he really snapped and you could see his temper just, mm. you know, click like that. And that I thought that was uh, it's a really... It's so, so odd. I mean, his ex girlfriend's there as well, you know, and she's moved yeah. into his parents' house, but they, they had a man hiding in a cupboard. That's so weird. I wasn't ready for that at all. I was like, what the heck? And when we say a cupboard, it wasn't like a big cupboard, you know, like, <laughs> like the ones that like they used to hide in an episodes of Cheers. If someone, yeah, yeah, it, was a, yeah. it was like, a, it was almost like he was in a chest of drawers. <laughs> Oh, cheers. Hey, jo- uh, just a quick note to our, our producer who sat next door. Uh, Johnny, could you just pencil in cheers? <laughs> the whole of cheers for us to, uh, to review, maybe for series three, please. Cheers, yeah. Oh, cheers. <laughs> uh, right, so well, let's, let's sort of skip along to 
to summer although i do want to make a, a note about the great I, I made a note here about the great realization of non-manchester because although manchester was obviously the coolest place on earth to be at that point and i think a bit of it picked up in the uh, uh in, in the bit of the start um everywhere else wasn't manchester mm-hmm. everywhere else was trying to be manchester and it's it sort of it's it sort of, when they went to the disco at the community hall or the, or the town hall or, the, <laughs> or you know we, what would have been the school hall or uh, you know the back of a pub uh they weren't the hassy end of those places. Really. <laughs> they were kind of far from it. And I thought that scene was really well done. You know, sort of at, at the end there, just sort of, you know, uh, depicting a, a good night out. And also how well that Shane Meadows does drug scenes. I think, it, you know, mm. perhaps, you know, I mean, someone may or may not know about that, you know, in the audience. But uh, <laughs> they they are, you know, they are really, really well done and really um, done in a way that, I, I, I don't think I've seen. Well, I, I've seen attempted before, but but it's it's very hard to put that an altered mind state through the lens of a camera, and uh, I think he did that uh, very very well. But sort of moving on to to summer now, where the gang are haplessly uh, looking for a rave, <laughs> and again that that goes to it. It's, you know, this 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 wasn't Manchester out in the countryside, and then the characters of Higgy and Flipper were there. I think again for a bit of comic relief, it almost seems, doesn't it? I mean, I certainly knew people like that. And, uh, the <laughs> fact they were driving a Vauxhall Nova was just perfect how <laughs> spot on did they get that that was just you know that was really out of the out of the park uh, just just picking the right car which is I've, i often think about this in films uh, or, or tv series and uh, police i always look at the police when they're driving like a lexus and you think no they're not they don't drive a blinky they drive a mondeo come on get it right um okay so i was pleased i was pleased that it went that way and they didn't find what they were looking for it would be too easy wouldn't it to say they just went out to a field in the yeah. middle of hampshire to quote pulp and and you know sort of uh, raved all night and had the best time of their lives uh, it doesn't work out like that, does it, I suppose? But here's a question for you. Am I in the presence of ravers? Did either? Has anyone here ever been to a, anyone ever been to a rave? Well, in, in 1990, I was eight years old. So, <laughs> so you weren't of course out. I was yeah, a rave. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, I suppose um, after no. that as well, because I was I, I, I was in 1990, I was, I was a certain age. But this, this was the course. People will always say that this period of time was back in the day. And this was, you know, the, if you, it's like you had to be in Ibiza in a certain year, otherwise you really missed out. Anyone, anyone who's going to Ibiza now, meh, you know where near it man um uh, but rachel are you uh, i know the answer to this question <laughs> i'm quite insulted by that <laughs> but you're right <laughs> no i wasn't a rave i was i think i'm a similar age to you but and i was a little bit too young i was probably about 14 in 1990 mm, yeah um but my sister is three years older so she was perfect age for raving and stuff and i think she did i mean obviously my mum and dad are gonna listen to this i think <laughs> our emma did <laughs> Um, it sort of passed me by a little bit. That wasn't who I was. I was aiming more towards kind of getting into grunge and what have you. So mm-hmm. I was one of those that you sit about being miserable all the time. <laughs> me too. Yeah. I think it was fitting that they didn't make it. In, they're right. so hapless. I thought if they make it there, that's just not realistic at all. Yeah. So, and they, they yeah. were going to spend the night just in the middle of nowhere, weren't they? Yeah. To crank up the speakers on the Vauxhall over. <laughs> that uh, sounded like a good night to me. Yeah. I wouldn't would <laughs> mind doing that. <laughs> All right, so we know what we're doing after the show. Right, okay. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I suppose amongst all this sort of fun and forest, they get to a, they, they do discover some new age travellers, uh, which actually, we, I haven't said that phrase for, well, years. <laughs> 20 years. Probably since 1990. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, new age travellers. Remember those guys? Um, so, uh, um, but they did, they did try to get there. And this is where sort of there's, uh, there, there's, quite a, a tough scene i suppose coming back to what you said earlier rachel about the, about this program appearing to be harsh this is where the harshness comes in mm. now it's not you know perhaps all the fun and frolics are out of the way and mm. there's a particular scene with, with with kelly through there where she's sort of taken advantage of so i mean i i assume that was a tough watch for you oh very much so it, it was strange because obviously the first episode and then up to this point i was thinking oh everyone's been sort of lying to me this isn't that harsh and it was like lulling you mm-hmm. into a false sense of security and then bang and I, I, no, it wasn't a, a good watch for me at all. And the way it was filmed as well just made me feel almost quite sick. And you were so in her position. You were so like thinking, I'm I'm ab- absolutely living this with her. It's just, this is awful. Um, and the music and everything else, it was just ugh, really, I, I felt quite unclean. I felt quite horrible. Mm. And this is, I suppose, where we're also, I, I was sort of, uh, in tune then with Gadget's character um, who uh, has a favourite top and he wears it all the way throughout <laughs> and I think you know I, 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 that, I love that I love that part about Gadget's character that you know I had a hooded top at that period of time and I never took it off and it's you know it's, it, it was just exactly right um, but then he's trying to comfort Kelly isn't he the, ne- mm. the next day but he just hasn't he's got the intention but he hasn't got the vocabulary to, yeah. to, sort, of, to sort of get there mm. um, and there's, there's kind of a 
unrequited love aspect there, isn't there? You know. Yeah, I, I, I really like that. That was one of my my favourite scenes in the uh, the whole the, the series. I think was that that scene between them the night after uh, the morning after, and I think Andrew Ellis has got so good at playing gadget across across all the series i mean at the, at the beginning he was a bit more of the comedy relief but in this series and this is england 90 i think he's he's become kind of a, a symbol of the sort of rock solid friendship even though there's this this sort of unrequited love element between him and kelly that's that's not what drives him on i think even if he didn't have these feelings he would still be there for her mm. and he would still be there for any of his other friends in that same way and that's one of the sort of very touching things that shame meadows taps into so well with these characters i think and that moment for me was really important that there was that comfort because i felt so after it that i felt so relieved that there was somebody for her that would go over and and because i didn't know his character really at that point and uh, obviously if i'd watched all of it i would have thought oh gadget will go and make sure she's okay so it was nice for me i thought oh somebody's gone and you know sat with her and noticed that she sat on her own and noticed that there's something wrong and it made me feel better it made me feel comforted but then that scene is kind mm. of it sets up a later scene where he mm. tries to comfort her again yes. doesn't it and yeah. then we see how what he has to offer is is just not enough mm. for how far along she she yeah. is down the line at that point yeah uh, also uh, on the on the flip side of what was going on there uh, Higgy and flip side uh, is uh, is uh, <laughs> high five. Uh, uh, no pun intended, but I'm really pleased with it. Um, is the barbecue scenes now? I, I did see somewhere online that the, there was someone said that these were kind of pointless, didn't move the story along. But I, I think a lot of the time, I think we've certainly talked about it in the past, where you have a setup, 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 and this was a setup really before the news that that combo was coming back right at the end of the. Of the of the time uh, so the barbecue scenes are obviously there in featuring Woody and Lolan and basically anyone who wasn't out raving you know sort of the family side of things and that was lovely done in like someone's front garden because that's that's you know that's what happens and I mm. love that you know I love to see that people <laughs> get out there because it does it brings a sense of community out and a lot of people yeah. think uh, you know, snobbish people look down their nose at that kind of thing but actually no it's not it's people you know sat out in their garden just you know alright come along you know have a beer and that kind of mm. thing or no actually bring your beer <laughs> I think the, uh, the barbecue scenes serve a really important function as well because they show the the forgiveness that has uh, taken place between Woody and Milky because Milky had this affair with Lol and they've had a a baby together and then Woody and Lol have had a baby together Uh, Woody's forgiven Milky and they've all come together as this kind of strange but functioning family unit I think that really sets up the theme of forgiveness which is so crucial uh, when we get into the autumn episode Uh, yeah and we'll get to that uh, autumn episode uh, very soon now later Andy will be taking a close look at the work of musician Gavin Clark who was a regular contributor to This Is England and Shane Meadows other work that's all after this short break Now, this is the slightly awkward bit of the show where we pass the hat around. Making a podcast isn't expensive, but there are some costs we need to cover. And to be honest, it would also be nice to have a few quid to keep us supplied with coffee and vegan biscuits. You can help the show by visiting our webpage, spoilerpodcast.co.uk, clicking on the donate button and giving whatever you think we're worth. Alternatively, if you're planning on buying anything from Amazon, you can do that via the links on our website and we get a few pennies each time. So that's spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Or you can help us out for free and get yourself an audiobook of your choice into the bargain by signing up for a free 30-day trial with Audible via the link on our website. Audible have the world's largest selection of audiobooks, including The Stone Roses by Alex Green. You can cancel your membership at any time within the 30 days and you won't pay a penny, but you still get to keep your free audiobook and uh, add another password to your many long list of passwords. So just go to spoilerpodcast.co.uk, click on the Audible trial ad on the left-hand side. We get a few quid each time someone signs up via our link, which will help keep our producer Johnny supplied with his beloved Jeremy Clarkson books. (laughs) (laughs) Or... What you can also do, and we would thoroughly recommend you do this, is recommend the programme. Uh, we know that the, the unique nature of our programme means that uh, not everyone's going to listen to every episode, because if you've not seen Whiplash, for example, or you've not seen This Is England, uh, you're perhaps not going to want it spoiling. However, what it does do is enthuse people to start reading Stoner and start watching Whiplash and start watching This Is England. So uh, please do that. Recommend uh, our programme, uh, which is another way of helping us on our merry way. Now, back to the show. I'm 
Okay, right. Autumn leaves are falling, and uh, just I've, I've written very little. Uh, about autumn in preparation for this, and you can see the word there. Gosh, <laughs> gosh! I mean that scene. That I mean, there's, there's, oh, no, there's not much else in this episode for me other than that scene. Now, this is what I was talking about earlier when I was talking about the social media aspect of it. People would like talking about the setup of it and what was there. And I, I saw I was a week behind on watching a lot of these episodes for whatever reason. And, and it was, oh, no, just you know, stop going on about it. <laughs> let, let me watch it. Let me watch it. But. At the emotion and the interrupting and the off-camera acting and the facial elements and and hopefully I'm covering everything here so you've got nothing to say about <laughs> it. Um, I, Andy, just you know, talk me through it because this was just outstanding, wasn't it? It was, yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is the, the sort of the sort of scenes that you don't see as much in TV drama anymore. I mean, I'm a big fan of. Uh, 80s TV drama back when sort of the writer used to be the star and used to have all these amazing people like Dennis Potter and Alan Bleasdale and uh, immediately reminded me of Mike Lee who works in a similar sort of yeah. improvisatory way and uh, specifically of uh, I don't know if you've seen Vera Drake, but there's a, a similar sort of table scene where it starts off kind of happy and then a big revelation happens. But I, I had no idea this was coming. I didn't read anything about it beforehand. So well, I, was, you. I, was, uh, <laughs> I was just sat there watching it. And I mean, obviously it was going to be a key scene. There was a lot of key characters gathered up there. And uh, it just immediately, as soon as the, the mood changes... You you were kind of it was like you were around that table. Not that there's any any more room for one more person in that room at all. But there was so much going on in that scene because everyone's everyone had a different reaction to what they were hearing and a different reason to be angry or upset. Or uh, there was obviously uh, Kelly's reaction to uh, to hearing this about her dad, and then also Milky's reaction to hearing about Combo's imminent release. And it was just it's just like almost an emotional overload. It's one of those rare moments in life where lots of really big things happen in one go and you almost shut down on any other level other than just complete emotional response. That's a really good way of putting that. What you say there is emotional response and you're really focused on on what's happening in the room. I think, I don't don't know, I'm not going to assume that we've all been in, well, not similar situations because, you know, our lives don't, get run like that yeah, hopefully but parable but, but yeah yeah where just you know you're, you're living in the moment from 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 one second to the next and, and and sort of what you say next might matter you know sort of further down the line and and you know could split families apart forever and that kind of thing it's a, you know it's a, it was just wonderful wasn't it rachel oh god no absolutely i didn't know anything about it coming obviously because i didn't watch this as england at the time didn't follow anything about it had no idea this was coming and obviously, because I hadn't seen the previous stuff, I was almost unaware of a lot of the, lot of the revelations as well. So I picked up bits of it, but I was like, oh, OK, oh, wow, oh, OK. So I was almost a little bit like Kelly insofar as I didn't quite know everything. And I was crying, actually. I did cry during it. It hit me so powerfully. It was like, oh, and it just took my breath away. And I was focusing on Woody because he was that little calm thing and he was trying to calm everybody down. I love the character of Woody. He's my mm. absolute favourite. He was like, I don't know what he was like in the rest of it. But in this series, he seemed like the sage kind of wise. <laughs> I'm sure he wasn't at the start. But for me, if I had to run to a character, I'd run to him because I know he'd look after me, protect me and keep things calm. And... um he was trying to do that and trying to explain to everybody, trying to get everybody on board and it's not your fault and it's okay and calm down. And he was just great. And I just kept thinking, right, focus on Woody because he's nice and calm. Focus on Woody. Because Lol and Kelly, it was just getting higher and higher and higher between them. And the mum was crying and, oh my goodness. And then when Milky started, I was like, I can't cope with this. Mm. If anyone else starts, I'm going to have to turn it off. Because it was just so almost visceral. It was like, wow, but stunning, absolutely stunning. And I paused it because I I was watching it on my laptop and I paused it after that scene and went and got myself a drink of water (laughs) and thought, right, just breathe. Because my my breathing was going and my heart was pounding because it was just so powerful. So, yeah, amazing scene. If you heard the actors talk about that, doing that scene as well, I mean... Joseph Gilgan, who plays Woody, said he had sleepless nights over it because he said, obviously, it's not real, but the line between reality, when you've lived with these characters for so long, when you're just improvising like that, is so blurred. And so uh, Thomas Turgus, who plays Sean, who doesn't have a lot to say in in this scene, but he said he he was sat there and it was all, it was all going off and he was keeping control. And then he saw uh, Andrew Shim 
who plays Milky, who he says, uh, Thomas Turgoo said, is the hardest man he knows. And in his own words, he said, he just exploded. And he'd never seen emotion like that come out of him before. Mm. And um, obviously, he's so entrenched in this character of Milky that I think they were all Mm. almost living those lives more than their own at that point. It certainly felt like that. It felt really real, like it went right into their core, not just an acting thing. And I think because they'd set up like with the barbecue and there was a lovely bit where Woody and Milky were on the sofa and they were, it was almost like they were a couple, <laughs> yeah. they were like snuggling <laughs> with each other. Yeah. And, um, and it was that knowledge of, oh, something's just been irretrievably broken. Mm. And it was, it was that loss as well of that trust and the friendship and the relationship they'd spent so long building. And that's even just with me watching one series. I can't imagine how I'd feel if I'd watched all of it. I probably would have had a breakdown or something <laughs> but no amazing i think one amazing. of my favorite lines in in the whole series is just just before it all kicks off when they know they're gonna have to do this and woody says to lol well we've had a year of happiness haven't we <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah okay so this sort of leads then on to the further demise of of, of kelly really doesn't it you know so mm-hmm. this is this is her the sort of uh, she's she's transgressing and going going further away and um and, and running away and uh, eventually, as we move into winter, uh, she gets kicked out by Harvey as well. Now, we've not really mentioned too much about Harvey's character. I think he's he's, he's certainly one of the funniest characters. Um, but uh, also, I think you do get this sort of sense of responsibility. He seems a little bit like a, a little bit like a mother hen, even if that mother hen is quite harsh. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know, you sort of you perhaps know that he might well well. I don't know if he's, he's not perhaps doing the right thing by kicking her out, but uh, you know, he, he, you can't perhaps have someone smoking that kind of drug under under your roof mm. you know because you've got to look after yourself as well um so it's, it's, that's quite a, a a tricky a tricky area and that leads then to him and him and gadget falling out doesn't it which is kind of uh awful really mm. yeah um but there, there's also um a gervais-esque i've written here <laughs> cringe-worthy scene uh with the wedding planning um <laughs> oh uh, 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 oh uh, i blocked that out uh, that was awful wasn't it? Oh, God. Everything that happens under that roof just seems to... You know, sort of <laughs> you, oh, no. Um, but, mm. <laughs> no. You're so right. It is Gervais-esque. Oh. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah, it was just really quite awful. Uh, <laughs> the tension was ramped up because I was keeping an eye on all the cupboards in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but then I suppose Woody's forgiveness talk then sort of from around the table then really comes to mind because you started to I mean when, when, when Combo comes back bearing in mind that I'd sort of not seen the ones in the middle certainly but I'd seen the This Is England film in my mind he was an evil character um, and then actually I think I think this is pretty well done or I'm very easily manipulated one or the other uh, I think both are true uh, that actually when he when he comes out of prison when he talks in prison uh, and he wants to redeem himself and you know he starts volunteering and actually you can see the benefit that he's getting from uh, you know sort of uh, that, that volunteering role you sort of you actually want things to work out for him which Andrew I mean you, you perhaps didn't think uh, before that I mean did you, did, you, did you think that or is it just me uh, no, well I mean I've, I've watched the whole series so combo has kind of slowly redeemed himself and come to be this far more likable character as as the series has gone along so uh i felt very very close to this character uh i also i was kind of emotionally tied up with combo a bit more because he reminded me of someone i don't know if you you might want to have a guess who that who that was rachel oh i don't know I can't uh, think of, well, I only know Combo in this series. So oh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, just, just in sort of... Funnily enough, he reminds me of you, Paul. What? <laughs> uh, for the record, I'd like to know that I have never, ever uh, racially attacked <laughs> not, not, Not in these deeds and things, but he said... There's just something, especially, like, in this latter series, when he, he's come out and he's he's a changed man and he's... He's a good man, and he's. A, you can take all oh, this as a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> it's a good recovery, Andy. Keep going. <laughs> and so, like, ultimately, where his story went. Um, I mean, I had you in mind, Paul. So I was thinking, <laughs> who's going to get us that coffee and cake now? <laughs> uh, but the, the scene that really, because I I kept it together during the dinner table scene. It was very emotional, but I didn't cry. But the the scene that made me cry was when Combo first walks in the door and Woody's waiting for him and he just instantly has that... It was such a realistic emotion, he just instantly bursts into tears and they both sort of have to look away for a second and and get themselves together. I mean, that that was really a moving scene for me. Although the only the only uh, note I've got from from those scenes is that I haven't heard a David Bellamy impression in years. <laughs> <laughs> 
well, we mustn't grow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I actually, I'm adding that to my list as well as uh, uh, as well as Droopy, uh, and as well as Jar Jar Binks, yeah, and um, inadvertently Combo as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, just. <laughs> but but the good combo. No, I'm not yeah, sure the about good this. the good combo. <laughs> okay, so but then, what, I mean, where this where this <laughs> put me off now. Where this is uh, where this is going to is is towards an ending that that may or may not be. Well, I, don't, I don't know. It's it's ambiguous. Ambiguous. What's the word? Ambiguous. Thank you. It's an ambiguous ending, I think. But we'll get to that in a little while because I want, I want to pick up on. And they do this not in this not just in this, but they do it quite a lot in a lot of TV programs. They drive somewhere to have a conversation, don't they? You know something that obviously. Obviously, there's something looming between Combo and Milky, and he picked him up in the street, right? And he drives him, and they must have driven out of town. I don't know. Let's say, let's say the nearest thing is 20 minutes. What did they talk about during that 20 minutes before <laughs> they get to that cafe that's in the middle of nowhere? I mean, that's, you know, but they do that in a lot of TV series, don't they? Right, come with me. So, you know, what do they do? Just listen to the radio, stick Radio Two on for a bit. Like, yeah, what happens during that time? Oh, it it's something that happens a lot in sitcoms. You see, uh, like, some big event happens away from the main set and then it cuts to them getting home to the main set and they walk in the door and they say, I can't believe you just threw water over the boss or something like that. And you think, how have they gone that long <laughs> to get what? home to the main set before they've discussed what's happening? They are a half tube ride. What, <laughs> what are you talking about during that? <laughs> Oh dear. Anyway, right, I'm over that now. Um, but then, I suppose then, talk me through the ending, Rachel. The ending, uh, when it comes for Combo, uh, uh, is he dead? I think he is, actually. You do? Yeah, I do. And actually, I've been on a lot of forums since because I was so cut up about it. And I thought, I kind of need to know. I need to get a general consensus. And um, and because I hadn't seen the others as well, and I was thinking, I feel like I'm missing something. Maybe there's some information in the other ones wh- which I need and I haven't got. And so I went on all these forums, and the general consensus among fans and non-fans is that he he isn't with us anymore. Right, okay. Well, in which um, case, I'm going to take the stand that he is. I would really like him to be. <laughs> I was really heartbroken. Especially as it might be me. Exactly. We don't want you not to be here. <laughs> but, um, no, but it was weird because, obviously, I don't know the old combo. I don't know the one that beat up Milky, although they did show us flashes of that. Okay. The only combo I know is the one that took a f- took the fall for his, you know, his best mate's partner and, and was seemingly very contrite and, you know, full of remorse and, you know, looked like Paul and... and <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so um so for me he seemed and I'm all for people being able to reform and being given second chances and things so for me I was like oh this is really nice but unfortunately by this point I had actually looked online and had an inkling that something really bad was coming and in a way I'm glad I had the warning and um I even got to a point where I thought I don't want to watch this I really don't want to watch this if I don't watch it then he's alive forever and um I think if I hadn't been doing this I wouldn't have watched the end really yeah but I thought I have to because I can't comment on it if I haven't seen it. And I was <gasps> like this through it. And when they were, he was in the van at the back, um, the back of the van with, the, with these guys and nobody was really talking. And I don't think even he knew what he was going to. He knew it was going to be bad. And even I didn't know what he was going to. But as soon as they opened those van doors and those two chaps were there and his his whole thing changed straight away. He was, oh my God, it, mm. it, I don't know if he knew them or, I mean, were they characters in the previous uh, ones? No, I mean, there's, a, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of conversation online mm. about who they are and mm. people saying they're handing him back to like a sort of National Front people oh, who've right. been related to and stuff like that. But for me, I thought he was just, I thought that was just a very realistic reaction of that kind of stoic put on demeanour mm. as, he, as he goes slowly to the fate he knows is coming change into just that instant realisation that now it's going to happen now mm. at the very best I'm going to get hell mm. beaten out of me mm. and it was, it was a bit I think when he when they were dragging him upstairs and oh my goodness just that, that bit it was like I can't bear this I absolutely can't bear it and for you it must have been even harder because you've seen this chap through all that time and you've just said that you have affection for him that he matters to you I mean even within four episodes I only saw him in the last one really and I already had lots of affection for him and thought oh he's really going to pull it together and he was so sweet with that lady in the volunteering place as well and yeah. I thought oh potential for a little relationship and all this hope and it's just damaged and then you realise do you know what Milky doesn't even want this anymore either I mean, this is so pointless you know that was the major tra- tragedy of it for me was that that milky is is now sort of the monster that combo has created mm. and yet it's a, it's a different combo and combo has, has been through it he's seen it from both sides so he's he's the most sort of useful tool in in tackling it i mean there's this lovely little 
secular parable about a man who's stuck down a hole and uh, he sees another man walking by and he shouts, help, can you get me out of the hole? And the man says, I, I would, but I don't want to end up down there myself. I'm not going to risk it. And then another woman walks by and he shouts, help me. And she says the same thing. I don't want to risk getting down the hole. And then a third man walks by and the man in the hole shouts, help me. And he jumps down the hole with him. And he says, well, why have you done that now? We're both down here. And the other man says, yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. Mm. And that is, that's combo to me. He's been down... so. In, in changing the minds of, of people who are going through the same thing that Convo has, he would have been the, the perfect tool for tackling racism, potential racism, nipping it in the bud. Mm. And you could see how he, how he dealt with uh, when, when they were playing football and how, how well he dealt with those, those kids. He could use his experiences to stop that happening. So in, in getting rid of him, Milky was actually uh, making the situation a lot worse. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why I'd, I'd put there that the, you know, sort of revenge only ever makes things worse, doesn't it? It never mm. makes it any better. But sort of elsewhere, uh, Kelly was back to the bosom of her family, and that was quite a, that was quite a relief. Uh, it might not be realistic that part, you know, where, where because you know you could see the road she was going down. It certainly doesn't end, always end that well, you know. Mm. She sort of seemed to come to her senses, um, and Sean seemed all very happy too. So it wasn't, it's not, it wasn't all sort of doom and gloom, was no, it? You no. know, there were there were uh, bits there, and again, just you know, there, so many scenes in this whole series have been have been really good. But again, I, I there was. I was getting all dewy-eyed when uh, Lol was talking to her and all that kind of thing, just outside uh, outside the disco. And she comes in and everyone's happy, reasonably happy, uh, sort of towards the end. Is this the end? Is this a full stop written in pen or pencil, Andy? This is where I would leave it, I think. I think it's quite a, a good ending. Uh, I think if you if you messed with it now, it would ruin it. And I think that final shot, I mean, we we saw that little montage of all the happiness and then just that, that lone shot of Milky on his own with, with his problems and that, the image of Milky, black skin, and then this white flower on his lapel. That's almost like the the representation of, of combo there right near his heart so he's always car- going to carry that forever and that that last shot really encapsulated the whole series for me so i think to take it any further would would spoil that a little bit for me okay so rachel what about you do you want to see these characters again or are you happy that I, this is the end i'd like to leave them where they are they seem reasonably happy um and i agree with you about milky's just got that for the rest of his life and and i think the character well, from what you've told me about combo in the, in the film and through the series he's well he's, he's I don't think he's around anymore. But um, so there's been an arc, and there's also been the opposite arc for Milky. He's at the other end now, and I think if you start tacking onto that, then what what do you do with it? How do you move that forward? I mean, I know it's a slice of life thing. They are going to be carrying on living and doing things, but I don't know. There isn't there isn't an arc that hasn't properly finished. So I know even like you know Sean's gone to college and he's met this nice girl, and Woody and Lola finally got married and. Kelly's come through the other side. God knows what Flip and Higgy are going to do. And, um, <laughs> and who cares, and, really? Well, there is that. And, um, yeah, so, no, I think it's a natural ending. You know, it's not to say that they don't carry on living after that and coming up with new things, but I don't particularly want to hear about that. Um, I'm happy with how they've ended it. Yeah. Apart from I want Combo slash Paul to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pleasant news. I think Flip and Higgy are now working in IT. so the final episode of this is england 90 ends with a dedication to the memory of shane meadows longtime musical collaborator gavin clark andy has been a longtime fan of clark and he's been taking a personal look back at the work of this underappreciated singer songwriter there are many aspects that characterize the films of cult director shane meadows a focus on working class british life a deft ability to mix comedy with tragedy, often within the same scene. The presence of regular collaborators such as Andrew Shim, Thomas Turgus and Paddy Considine. But from a personal point of view, Meadows' work will always be tied to that of his longtime friend, Gavin Clark, frontman of the band's Sunhouse and Clayhill. So Calvary Road Clark's music has appeared in the majority of Meadows films, and for many, the two have become inextricably linked. I first discovered Gavin Clark's work in 1998, when the Sunhouse song Monkey Dead was featured on the cult Saturday morning music programme The Chart Show, accompanied by images of Meadows' early film 24-7. While I wasn't to rediscover Meadows for several years, it was only weeks later that my brother came home with the Sunhouse album Crazy on the Weekend. 
This was to be the first and last Sunhouse record, as unbeknownst to us, the band had already split up by the time the album hit the shops. Despite rave reviews, including a five-star rating in Uncut magazine, Crazy on the Weekend made no commercial impact whatsoever, emerging as it did at the tail end of Britpop, when that big brassy genre was imploding in a cloud of cocaine, delusions of grandeur and unpaid bills for 36-piece orchestras. As guitar music struggled to re-establish its commercial identity, Crazy on the Weekend got lost in the shuffle. Ironically, introspective acoustic music would become the next big thing for the indie crowd the following year, but the flimsy pleasantries of Travis's The Man Who seemed a world away from the emotionally raw glimpses into the psyche of Gavin Clark, which had held me and my brother in thrall since Crazy on the Weekend's untrumpeted release. It was impossible to imagine songs of such heartfelt intensity as Good Day to Die or Hard Sun being used to advertise supermarkets or belted out by teenage buskers on the high street. There's a hot sun that shines its light on me. Well, it's easy to wonder how such a superb album fell by the wayside. This music was never destined to be sung in stadiums and bellowed back by legions of fans. Even the love song Lips felt so deeply personal that an understairs cupboard would be too large a space in which to comfortably enjoy it live. Listening to it through headphones felt mildly intrusive, and my love for Clark's music was tempered by the intangible guilt of an eavesdropper. Oi, this is your kitchen. This is the kitchen which I've had time to tie, well, sort of tidy up. Yeah, this is a different story, isn't it, in here? This is probably where I do a lot of writing, especially like with Clay Hill stuff and stuff that gets sent up. Yeah. There was another obstacle between Gavin Clark and stardom, which became clear when Meadows released his short documentary The Living Room in 2007. In the run-up to his first ever solo performance, Clark talks to Meadows about his history with depression and anxiety, conditions that led to and were in turn exacerbated by problems with drugs and alcohol. I'm not sure what, whether it's just the build-up for me, whether it's the build-up to doing this gig, but I just the last couple of days have just been a real nightmare. Having watched two of his bands crumble, Clark attempts to get back into live performance by staging a tiny gig in his own living room. Uh, I've never ever done a gig on my own before and basically it's because I sort of fried my head on drugs when I was younger. But even this modest proposition causes visible anxiety. I get nervous and I, I can sort of sing and everything but I can't feel my hands. And two lines into his opening song, Clark completely dries up and apologetically reverts to a Sunhouse song which he knows back to front in order to ease himself in. I'm reeling in the heat. Oh, f- okay. Sorry, man. That's Take your time, Jack. It's cool. I'll go after this A supportive audience helps him through the experience, but the prospect of going on to perform in unfamiliar surroundings, where good-natured spectators are not necessarily a given, must have been terrifying for such a sensitive man. Nevertheless, the living room ends with Clark performing to a much larger crowd. Having received critical acclaim for his soundtrack for Meadows' film Summerstown, Clark went on a successful tour. A final caption informs us that, from trembling what's playing in his own living room to performing in venues all over the world, Gavin's voice is finally being heard. Sadly, it was not to be heard for much longer. The next time Shane Meadows ended a film with a caption about Gavin Clark, it was the dedication to his memory that closes This Is England 90. On the 16th of February 2015, Gavin Clark died at the age of 46. His death was announced online, and while the cause of death was never made clear, his fans have been as respectful in refraining from speculation as the handful of spectators who helped him through that first song in his living room. Their dedications instead focused on the love for the man's music and the magnanimity of this posthumous acclaim confirm what I always knew. It's not the size of the venue that counts, so much as the longevity of the impact. Over 17 years later, I'm still reeling from the tough, tender sound of Crazy on the Weekend. So, thanks for that, Andy. Now, uh, time to wrap up our business here. And I think it's, it's a, a fair point that I think everyone around the table mainly enjoyed it. The, you know, so at times it's, it's harrowing and harsh, but uh, Andy, wrap it up for us. Uh, well, I think I think it was uh, the right way to end. I think it was a lovely way to, to sort of tie it off without putting too neat a little bow on the top. Okay, Rachel. Yeah, I'm really glad that I, I ended up forcing myself to watch the end because it did, you know, there is that arc and it did tie it up. 
I don't want to go back and see the rest, if I'm honest, because I think it would make Combo's um, demise even harder. But I'm really glad that I watched it. Thanks for recommending it, Andy. Excellent. Good stuff. Okay, so uh, rating. Um, I'm giving you choices this time. Uh, this series rather you know so it's an either or uh, and uh, you know my, my, my scales are final um, okay <laughs> so I mean there's, there's a way of saying obviously Meadows is a huge Stone Roses fan so I was going to go for the either the, or you're going to say oh it's the, either the Stone Roses album or the Second Coming but as we all know the Second Coming is equally as good as the Stone Roses album those that don't think that are wrong so <laughs> is it Andy and I know the answer is it the Stone Roses or Brother Beyond <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much thank you uh, it's the Stone Roses, Paul. Okay, Rachel. Of course, the Stone Roses. Brother Beyond. Have you, heard, have you heard Brother Beyond lately? Are they still going? Uh, I doubt it. No, I couldn't even name one of their songs right now. So uh, there we go. So thank you very much for listening. And if you, 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 of course, you know, there'll be bits out of an entire series that we missed. Uh, if you think there is anything we've missed, keep it to yourself. Uh, we, we really don't want to know. And, uh, uh, but, uh, I, we, we found a, a, a much better way than a rambling outro from me, uh, to end the series. Uh, we realized that we have a poet amongst us and a genius poet at that. So, ladies and gentlemen, Andy Goulding. Back in 1990, I was still a child of eight. The country seemed so tiny in my undeveloped state. If asked what England was, I would have confidently said, the place I eat my meals, watch TV and go to bed. But soft and pliant viewpoints of our childhood tend to harden, and as I grew and ventured forth beyond my own front garden, I found that England meant much more than mealtimes and sleeping, and political awareness leads to bouts of chronic weeping. I often feel deep inside each time I get the blues, nostalgia for the times I didn't understand the news. If I'd known more about the land by which I was surrounded... I might have begged my parents to be permanently grounded. Instead, I battle daily with my innermost defeatist, for cynicism plays into the hands of the elitist. I must and do believe that we can bring about a day when we can stand in unity and confidently say, this is England, feeling proud and staunchly patriotic. Until that day, I'm sad to say, I'll make do with neurotic. You've been listening to Spoiler, hosted by me, Paul Tyler, or Combo, with Andy Goulding and Rachel Burnett. Our theme music was composed by Ron Butcher, with additional music from the original soundtrack of This Is England 90 and Gavin Clark. If you've enjoyed the show and would like to support us, you can go to our website, spoilerpodcast.co.uk, click on the donate button and give us whatever you think we're worth. You can also sign up for a free 30-day trial with Audible and get yourself a free audiobook by going to spoilerpodcast.co.uk and clicking on the Audible trial banner on the left-hand side. Now, alternatively, if you're planning on buying anything from Amazon, do it via the links on our website and we'll get a few pennies commission to help us keep us supplied with the coffee and vegan biscuits. Or you can help us out by simply telling your friends about us, sharing links to our show or writing a nice review on iTunes. Next time on Spoiler, we'll be taking a look at Disney's 1941 animated classic, Dumbo. Did you ever see an elephant fly? Well, I seen a hawk fly. Ah, I seen a dragon fly. <laughs> I seen a house fly. <laughs> if you'd like to contact us about that or anything else, you can email hello at spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter or Facebook or go to our website, spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Spoiler is produced by Johnny Hall and is a Joe Schmo production. The show was recorded at the studios of Siren FM in the heart of the beautiful Cathedral City of Lincoln. It's absolutely lovely, isn't it? The